T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. He's one of the richest Democrats running to try to unseat Republican Governor Bruce Rauner. He's been a leading businessman in Chicago, running the merchandise mart for years and spearheading the Wolf Point real estate development. He's a philanthropist and has a family name that's golden in some circles. This week, we talk with Christopher Kennedy. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is Chris Kennedy, former president of the Merchandise Mart. As the overall manager of that massive building, he worked with government agencies, labor groups, and small businesses. He has served as chairman of the University of Illinois' Board of Trustees from 2009 through 2015. He and his wife, Sheila, now run Top Box Foods. That's a nonprofit hunger relief organization that brings affordable foods to underserved neighborhoods. He has chaired the board of the Greater Chicago Food Depository. And he and his family have a long and honored history in politics and service. Chris Kennedy is the son of the late Robert Kennedy, a former U.S. Attorney General and U.S. Senator. And now he is running for Illinois governor in what is a relatively full primary field, and it's still early. Chris Kennedy, welcome. Thanks for having me here, Craig. Good morning. Um, you have tested the waters of politics before. I recall we reporters running after you uh, in the past saying, are you going to run for this or that? What made you jump into the deep water this time? I think the state is at a critical juncture, sort of a point of departure. We're going to go one way or we're going to go the other. We stay on the, the track we're on. We're circling the drain. This will not be a place where young people want to live. This will not be a place where we have a growing economy. And that's where Governor Rauner is taking us. I see a, another scenario, another narrative for the future. I think we could take the assets that we have here, the great universities, the tourism infrastructure, and most importantly, the people, and create a great future, not just for ourselves, but for our children's generation as well. Well, uh... Aside from just the fact that we don't have a budget, and we'll get to that, uh, um, what is it about Governor Rauner's uh, tenure that is so wrong? Other than that we don't have a budget? <laughs> yeah. and like I said, that's, uh, the, the, aside from that issue, which is a major issue. We'll, we'll get to that, I assume. But, yes. You know, you look at what Governor Rauner's done, there's some terrible things, throwing a million people out of government programs little children, sick adults, the elderly, the infirm, and with no, with no regret apparently and, and without asking any member of his economic class to make a single sacrifice. More than that, he's, he's destroyed dissent. He's destroyed open dialogue within the Republican Party. Republican Party in Illinois used to be one of the great Republican parties in America, the land of Lincoln. He was it, it, and he has silenced that party. There's no dissent anymore. He, Governor Rauner, his wife, and a few friends contributed 80% or more of all of the funding for the state rep and state senate races and the constitutional offices in this last election. And it makes those people unable to stand up to him and 
that's not good for the Republican Party. It's not good for the state of Illinois. Now, the budget battle itself, a lot of people see that as a battle of wills between the governor and his vision of uh, of holding fast to his program of reform for Illinois, and House Speaker Michael Madigan, uh, the Democrat, the top Democrat who sees himself as a uh, fighting to protect working people and families. Is it that simple? No, no I, I don't I don't think so. I, I don't think what we have going on is a stalemate. I don't think we're at, we face a log jam. We're not at loggerheads. This isn't about two people with strong wills. This this isn't a stalemate. It's a hostage taking. And very simply what Governor Rauner has done is he said we will not pass a budget until we pass my turnaround agenda. Now, he thinks that turnaround agenda is more important to small businesses and large corporations than having a budget. That's what he says. I don't believe that he believes that because there's no evidence. I can tell you when the, more companies have moved to the Merchandise Mart Center to open an office for the first time in Illinois than any other location in the state. I was there for 25 years, and during that time, not one of the 5,000 or so companies that I ever dealt with, not one ever raised concerns about tort reform or workers' comp or right to work or how we draw our maps or term limits. Not one of them ever asked me about that. Those issues, many of them, don't make it into the top 50 concerns for small businesses. There's plenty of polling data out there. You can Google it and get a list of what small business wants from government. It's very clear. They want predictability. They want to know what their taxes are going to be this year and next year and the year after. There's nothing more important than passing a budget. But isn't Illinois' financial situation um, unsustainable? I mean, is the governor not right that that aside from those non-budgetary issues, that there are things wrong with Illinois' economy. The items, the hostage-taking that he's engaged in has taken really a narrow state government budget problem, a government budget problem, and turned it into an economic crisis for the rest of the state. Most people don't want to think about the state government. That... That should be taken care of. It should be nearly irrelevant to their lives, and now it's present everywhere. He's raised the cost to do business in Illinois for small businesses and large corporations alike because people don't want to invest here and lenders don't want to lend to institutions that are here. It started, of course, with the government when Governor Rauner didn't pass a budget, then it spread to quasi-governmental agencies like the University of Illinois, which has had their debt downgraded, and that means their costs go up. And now private businesses operating in Illinois have a harder time getting loans, and those loans are more expensive. And as I said, he took a narrow state government budget problem and has turned it into an economic crisis for everyone. But wasn't it there, wasn't there a problem before he got here? I mean, people were talking about problems in government under Governor Quinn. Uh, actually, some of them started under re- even Republican governors. Well, I'd, I'd say this. I believe that under Governor 
when we had a balanced budget, we were paying our current uh, due payments under uh, the pensions, and we were paying down outstanding payables. I know that because at one point, the University of Illinois was owed over $500 million. And the state slowly paid that down under the Quinn administration, which we were appreciative of. It can be done, but Governor Rauner doesn't want to do it. Um, The governor says that the Democratic solution is just more taxes. Uh, What is the Chris Kennedy solution? I don't think we can tax our way out of this hole. And I, I don't think we can cut our way out of the hole as well. I think there's a role for government to play a role in growing the size of the economy. The real issue in the state is we have declining taxable assets and a need for rising taxes. Now, I'm not an economist, but I can tell you that sounds like the end of the world. What we really need is more taxable assets. We need a growing economy, and that's the most important thing we can we can get after we get a budget. But businesses have been coming into Illinois, as you point out. What would make for a growing economy at this stage? Well, I, I think, you know, we often in Illinois look inward instead of outward. We look to Springfield or the Thompson Center for great ideas. I reject those concepts. I would look to other states, maybe to other countries. I try to figure out what's going on in the thriving economies in the United States. Look at Austin, Texas and Silicon Valley. Look at Boston, Massachusetts and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Akron, Ohio. And all of those places have great thriving economies with super low unemployment, rising wages, and an exciting future. There are also talent magnets where the young people want to move to. We want that experience in Illinois. So what do those, what do those communities have in common? They're home to great research institutions, universities, that are supported by the government. We can replicate the success that those communities have had all over Illinois because we have one of the great public university uh, systems in, in America, in our state. Chicago's the biggest college town in America. We have better assets than anybody else does, and we're home to Argonne and Fermi, two great research labs. All we have to do is tie all of that together, bundle it up, give it government support, give it leadership, support from the private sector, and we can create an economy that works not for three or five years, but for 30 or 50 years, just like those communities have done. And one of the areas that Chicago and the state have been trying to foster is the high technology uh, industry. Uh, You've had a hand in uh, helping to attract businesses here with 1871. Is that enough? Or do we need to look for other segments? Do we need more manufacturing or or what is it? I would say this, there are two or three big things that we can do quickly. Um, The the incubators like 1871, UI Labs, the University of Illinois Research Park, the private institutions and the, the various incubators at many of the universities throughout our state, they're critical to our future. MIT is a relatively small school, 
the alumni there from MIT have started more than 30,000 companies. They employ four and a half million people. What we want for our state is another MIT, and we have we have more than that in in the great research institutions we have here. Um, so we need to in, invest in those and create a network and an infrastructure that allows those institutions to create great growth. The way it should work is the government helps with basic government research grants. The professors look into basic research. That sloughs off applied research, which is business ideas. People invest in those ideas. They start small companies. Those companies employ people. Those people pay taxes. It funds local schools and educates a whole new generation ready to begin that cycle again and again. You look at the Boston economy, it's died multiple times, and yet again it's uh, it, it's thriving now, and that rebirth has always been led by the universities. Same with Akron, same with Austin, same with Silicon Valley. We can do that here, but Governor Rauner has been a relentless uh, uh, adversary of higher ed, and he's cut the funding to those research labs and and to the incubators, he sent almost immediately a very threatening letter to the executive directors of places like UI Labs, um, asking them to return their state government funds. This is after we've matched it with 10, you know, 10 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1 uh, investments from the private sector to match what the government has done. And Governor Rauner's attacked those ideas in a way that's bad for the future of our state. Do you see any scenario in which there will be a resolution of the budget? Uh, you don't want to call it a stalemate, but it looks like that to the rest, you know, to a lot, a lot of other people, that that ends before a new governor is selected? I don't know what Governor Rauner wants out of his term. I mean, I really don't. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. I know that turnaround agenda is not relevant to luring small businesses or large corporations to our state. It's not helping. It's not. It, it, it's in fact hurting. What, what we need to do is fix the the problems that keep growth from happening. Uh, President Trump, uh, I think, will pass an enormous infrastructure bill. They're looking at an August time frame. We're going to need to match that with matching dollars or those federal dollars won't be spent in our state. We're going to need a capital bill and we need to be smart about how we spend those dollars. We don't want to spend it on jobs that make the wealthy wealthier. We want to spend it on jobs that employ people and particularly people who are unemployed now. There's lots of great things that we can do to grow our economy. Governor Rauner has attacked also relentlessly our tourism infrastructure, our trade show business, our convention business. And that's, of course, critically important to the city of Chicago. But many other communities have great tourism assets. I know for people living close to the eastern border of the state, we're bombarded with ads from Michigan. If you live up north, you're bombarded with ads from Wisconsin. And and yet we have great tourism assets all over our state and none of us ever hear the government supporting those assets trying to get Illinois people to spend in Illinois and that's what we ought to be doing. Um, 
but you're still not telling me whether uh, whether you think this is going to be resolved before the 2018 election. I mean, that's a much better question for Governor Rauner. I hope so, because each year we go without a budget. Um, we're operating at about a five or six billion dollar a year deficit. So the first year we had five or six billion dollars in unpaid bills. We're now working towards another five or six billion dollars. We're going to have a 12 or 14 billion dollar backlog of bills after two years. And if that doubles to 22 billion dollars, that's a big hole to get out of. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Chris Kennedy, the Democratic candidate for governor. Um, uh, let me continue that thought, though. Is this not also a question for House Speaker Michael Madigan and Senate President John Cullerton, the top Democrats in the legislature? Are there not concessions that should be made from the Democratic side to entice the governor to soften his positions what 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 could the democrats put on the table i don't think that there's anything that the democrats can put on the table that will would convince governor rauner to proceed with the budget he is holding it hostage i know you want to describe it as a stalemate it simply isn't true that is not what's occurring in springfield what's occurring in springfield is absolutely a hostage taking i'm not here to defend um, Speaker Madigan or President Cullerton. That, that's not in, it wouldn't be in my best political interest to do that. But I, I'm not going to allow that narrative, that wrong narrative to continue to be spread because it confuses people as to what needs to occur. It, we don't need people to compromise right now. We need Governor Rauner to say, okay, I'm going to put my turnaround agenda aside because I realize that having a budget is more important for the people that I thought that turnaround agenda was important to small businesses, large corporations, employers of any sort want a budget. Well, let's turn to the political landscape um, because your job over the next uh, more than a year and and wow, is this a long campaign uh, uh, is to convince voters that you are the Democrat who should be leading this fight. What is it that makes you, above the others, the person who can do it, who can turn this state around? I think I represent a great contrast with with Bruce Rauner. I've spent my whole life investing and building things up. He spent his entire career tearing things down. And that's the difference between us in a nutshell. But the way I've worked has been collaborative, it's always been team-based. Every success I've known comes from working with a large group of people, all coordinated in their efforts, all happily working side by side towards a, a common and great goal. And Governor Rauner doesn't have the capacity to do that. He can't build out a team. He sees people as employees and not allies. He cannot understand that there are three branches of government and they're all equal. He's never had that relationship with anybody in his life. For me, the people at the Merchandise Mart, our success came from not the people at the top of the organizational pyramid or names listed in the organizational chart, but the frontline employees who made the difference in the lives of the trade show exhibitors, the small businesses, 
who were part of the 90 or so trade shows we would run every year. They knew us by the carpenters, the electricians, the painters, the people at the front desk, the workers who made those trade shows successful. And that's a very different operating philosophy. Um, and I think that, that teamwork, you see it. You go and watch a building be built, and there'll be hundreds of people working on a job site at one time, side by side, all doing different things, but all productive. And that's what we want out of government, and frankly, that's what we want out of our society as well. Now, one of your opponents, J.B. Pritzker, who uh, could arguably be uh, the, 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 the richest candidate in the race, um, he, he nevertheless got the endorsement of 14 labor unions, some of which do the kind of work that you were talking about. Um, does that not show that he is making a connection with those everyday workers? I think that those everyday workers in those unions will will be with me on primary day. And that's really what I'm worried about. I intend to earn the vote of everybody in the state and hopefully do that in a way that we end up with a mandate for great change. Your campaign uh, did uh, talk about uh, J.B. Pritzker and compared him to sort of a uh, a rounder like Democrat. Would you can you explain that? Well, I I think one of the things that is critical to our future is full participation. If you want to know what a progressive agenda looks like, it's it's very simple. We want more voices at the table. We want greater participation. That's why we're for things like same day registration and um, and anything that makes it easier for people to participate in government decision making. That's the that's the end goal, to have a greater diversity of voices around the table so that we get much better outcomes. With very wealthy candidates, they don't need to listen to others. They can do what Governor Rauner has done. And truthfully, that, that notion that he threatens his own party, that he uses his wealth to intimidate them, that he uses his money to bully them, to say, if you step out of line, if you oppose me, in any way, I will primary you. I will punish you. And you don't need a party infrastructure. You don't need your own fundraising. If you start to develop that, I will quash you as well. We can't let what's happened to the Republican Party happen to the Democratic Party. Do you see that happening with the Democratic Party, uh, that, that the money is silencing people? I, I think it has the potential if if we don't need to involve people in these campaigns. Say over the last six or seven weeks uh, since I've announced, over uh, 3,300 people have given to my campaign. They're part of a dialogue. Those people are emailing me, they're texting me, they're sending me notes all the time filled with ideas about what they think should happen to the future of our state. That's an important source, a rich source of ideas and, and commitment. And we need that in a state that is headed in the wrong direction. Um, let's, let's talk a little, because, you know, even if we're talking about very rich candidates, I think there are a lot of people who would put you in that category as well. Um, is that what this, what this political era has become, that you have to be a millionaire or a billionaire in order to run for a significant office. Absolutely not. That, that's, that's not true at, 
at all. And you see a robust field in the Democratic primary because in the Democratic primary, you, you can't buy a Democratic vote. It's much easier in a general election where there are a lot more people who don't vote frequently and may show up um, not fully informed, maybe perhaps informed simply by the last ad they saw. But in a Democratic primary, those are activists. Uh, it's in March. There's generally terrible weather. People have to come out. It's a real struggle. And they're almost always fully informed as to what's going on with the various primary candidates. And so a barrage of ads or slick marketing material is much less relevant in a primary than in a general election. You made some uh, suggestions when you appeared before the Cook County uh, committeemen uh, that their era of politics, which some would describe as the retail politics, knocking on doors, um, getting out mailers and palm cards and things like that, is also not uh, what's going to drive people. Well, well, I, I'd say this. I, I think, in fact, that is what drives people. People like to be engaged. They want to be asked. And they want to be asked personally. What they don't want is for party in, insiders to make the decision for them. But the party has an incredibly important role in creating an infrastructure to um, network with people, with individuals, to create a community in each of the precincts, the wards, the townships in our state. We want a robust party that has the ability to engage people, to bring them together and to, in, in a sense, make it possible for them to engage in the political process. That's what the party can do. The party shouldn't make decisions for those people. It should just activate them. So in a primary campaign, does, does slating mean anything? Uh, does, it, does it mean anything if these committeemen decide to get behind one candidate or another? I, I think uh, slating matters in some races, um, particularly down-ballot races. But what really matters is, is a connection with the voters. And the voters are going to want somebody who's got a strong vision for the future and somebody who is predictable. They're going to, you know, we were all really surprised by what happened with Bruce Rauner. I think everybody thought Rauner was going to be a middle-of-the-road business person who was going to negotiate and compromise and work with others and, and, and rise above the political fray. And instead, he's become sort of a cartoon character with his Carhartt jacket, dressing like some pipe fitter who's just stepped off a construction job on a 20-degree day and 30-knot winds. And with a phony Southern accent, it's like, wait, what happened? What happened to this guy? And then he's become an extremist within his own party. We don't want to allow that to happen again. We want somebody who's predictable, who's, whose history will tell us what will happen in the future. And I think they'll get that with me. Um, right now, at least he, uh, Governor Rauner, and uh, J.B. Pritzker have gone on the air with, uh, with well-produced commercials. Um, getting their message out and putting that image of the Carhartt jacket out there. Um, are we going to have to see that from you bef before your opponents define you? Are you going to have to see me in a Carhartt jacket? Maybe not in a Carhartt I, I, jacket. Believe me, I'm not going to put on a disguise or a costume in order to win. Um, people are going to have to you know, size me up for what I am. I'm very plain spoke 
outspoken and and tell the truth, honest and candid about the issues as I see them. Um, I mean, Governor Rauner, he's gone on, you know, he, he, he's gone into campaign mode. He's just gone all around the state. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in Washington, legislation is passing. It has a devastating impact on our state. And instead of talking about the destruction of the Affordable Care Act, he's gone to like a beer nuts factory. I mean, we all like beer nuts. I mean, I like them. I love them. But I don't think it's appropriate for the governor to be distracted by that when he ought to be worried about the future of our state. That's going to be our final word. That is Democrat Chris Kennedy, candidate for governor. Thank you for spending the half hour with us. Um, To our listeners, if you want a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at cbschicago.com. Just follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. Actually, going back at least a year, uh, I will be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.